God bless you and welcome to Yesterday Ended, Healing the Traumas of Life. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you so much for joining me today. Is there anything in the world that can stop the effectiveness of the promises of God? Are you having trouble receiving from God? What is stopping the flow of heaven from invading your life? Are you having troubles hearing the voice of God? What is it like in your world? What are the things around you that might be hampering you from receiving the goodness of God? In today's episode, I want to look at things that cause us to look away from God and not see his truth and his faithfulness to his promises. We have an enemy whose mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have a Savior, his name is Jesus, that has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Jesus told us that if we lived in the world, we would suffer tribulation or mental pressure. But he also said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. If you want to learn how to overcome the world, give a listen. In the introduction, I asked this question. Is there anything in the world that can stop the effectiveness of the promises of God? Unfortunately, there is something that can stop the promises of God from coming to pass in our lives. It is fear. Fear can stop the promises of God because we are in unbelief. Consider the situation when Jesus goes to Capernaum in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, and his brethren James and Joseph, and Simon and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there, because of their unbelief. There is little recorded information concerning Jesus' brothers and sisters apart from what is recorded about James in the book of Acts. James did rise up to believe and lead part of the first century church. Those in Capernaum looked at the family of Jesus and determined he should not have his wisdom and authority. This caused unbelief in their lives, and therefore the mighty works that they could have received did not come to pass. They looked at the circumstances and rejected the power of Jesus. How are the circumstances in your life determining the power of God you receive in the manifestation? We have to make a choice what we will believe, circumstances or the promises of God. Is it the right time or not? Is it too cold or too hot? Must we be in a certain place? to be able to receive God's grace? What about the circumstance? Does it our faith in God enhance? Does it help us God's truth to see or causes us with him to disagree? Do we see a molehill or a mountain? Do we see a dry hole or a fountain? Do the things about us cause us to fail because his promises we do not avail? Faith is believing in what we can't see. With his promises, we have come to agree. We know the things about us have no power, 
that will stop our faith and make us cower. Upon the head of circumstance I will dance. The power of God does not happen by chance. The things in the world go up and down, but my faith in God will never make me frown. Where is our faith? And what do we put our trust in? Do we trust in what we can see or in the promises of God? Consider this admonition in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So you're sitting on a pile of gold. Some people's piles are bigger than others, but it's still just a rock. A pretty rock, but just a rock. A big pile could cause you to become proud, or as the Greek is translated here, high-minded. A small pile could cause you to fear. Those with the bigger pile are charged not to trust in it because God calls it uncertain riches. If we trust in our bank account or our investment portfolio, those things are uncertain. Whether or not you have literally stored up physical gold, God calls it uncertain. Its value can fluctuate. We are not to trust in inanimate objects, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I have always loved the last phrase of this verse. God is not stingy. He does not only meet our needs, but he gives us richly so that we can enjoy his blessings. There is a financial advisor that we can turn to who will not steer us wrong. His name is Jesus, and he gives us some financial advice in Matthew chapter 6. We begin in verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Where is your treasure? How durable is your treasure? What you set as your treasure will determine much about your life. Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart determines your faith. The heart is where faith is born and abides. If your heart is set upon the treasures laid up on earth, that's about as far as you're going to go. But what about investing in heaven, in the eternal? There are so many different financial advisors all over the world that will recommend different ways to invest your wealth. And some will agree with others and some totally disagree on how you should invest. My recommendation that you follow the commands of Jesus to first invest in God and his righteousness. Remember, at the end of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Our financial security is only one circumstance that can cause us to doubt and worry. Somewhat tied into our financial security is our status in the community. And then there is the challenge of what's happening in the community locally and also even globally. 
How do we deal with what's going on around us? There's a great man of God talked about in the book of Judges. Things were stacked up against him pretty high, but God worked with him to help him get to the point of believing his promises. Let's take a look at the life of Gideon. We pick it up in Judges chapter 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. One day the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon while he's working hiding grain from the Midianites that have invaded Israel. And the angel gives him a promise from the Lord and an identity. The promise is, the Lord is with you. This promise, up to this point in history, had only been offered to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the whole of Israel, God's chosen people, and Joshua. That's a very select group of people. Now the Lord promises Gideon he would be with him. The similar promise to us would be, if God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> who can bully God? Unfortunately, Gideon and the rest of Israel at that time had not been faithful in believing God and his promises or his commandments. Follow me and I'll take care of you was his promise. Unfortunately, they didn't follow him and they were attacked by their enemies. But Israel started to cry out to God and he heard them and now he's raising up Gideon to be a judge and a deliverer. But Gideon is not so easily swayed. He responds, And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. At this point, Gideon is totally run by circumstances. He states his belief that God has forsaken them, ignoring the fact that Israel had forsaken God first. We now, as children of God, have the promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He does, in truth, live within us. As the tabernacle or temple was his abode in the Old Testament, we are his abode today. He is really with us. But Gideon couldn't get his mind to accept what God was offering him. Back to verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? God again tells him what he can do. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel. And he says, I have sent you. I've given you an assignment, and when God gives an assignment, he equips us to fulfill that assignment. But Gideon ignores this new promise and continues with the circumstances stacked up against him. Verse 15, And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manassas, and I am the least in my father's house. When God called Moses to speak to Pharaoh, Moses said he was slow of speech. When God called Jeremiah, he said he was a child. All too often we look at our circumstances and tell God he's wrong 
and we can't do what he's asking us to do. And honestly, all he's asking us to do is believe him. He said he would be with Gideon. That means all the resources of God are with Gideon. If God be for us, who can be against us? What circumstance outweighs the promise of God? There is a question that has been asked twice in the Old Testament. Is there anything too hard for God? The answer is nothing. Our Heavenly Father is the God of the impossible. Finally, Gideon gets around to asking God to prove himself, not once, but twice. And God does so. And God sets up the victory against Midian in such a way that it proves that it was God and not Gideon that brought that victory. The battle belongs to God. So let go and let God. Let God prove himself to you. Upon the head of circumstance I will dance. The power of God does not happen by chance. The things in the world go up and down, but my faith in God will never make me frown. This morning I spent my quiet time walking. I was walking in my neighborhood that has a bit of traffic. Particularly the last street I was going to walk down is a very busy street. As I began to walk, I thought I should instead drive to a park so that I could find a quiet place. But I finally decided it was simpler to just walk out my front door and walk a few blocks. As I was walking down that last busy street, hearing the cars go by, God spoke to me and asked me a question. Can you focus upon my voice, even when there are distractions? When I first set out to do my walk, I had thought the noise would stop me from hearing God. God knew what I was going to be working on this morning in this podcast and gave me a real-time example to share with you. It's so easy to let the things of the world block our hearts from hearing and seeing God and his promises. He is faithful to his promises. Do not let the situations of the world make you fearful. Do not let the circumstances around you dictate your faith. If God be for you, who can be against you?